Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Because it says in Ruth 1.18, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking with her. <laughs> well, okay then. <laughs> I guess they were both pretty forceful in what they said. Ruth really made her point, and she nailed it down when she used God's name to state her commitment. She sealed her commitment by saying, may the Lord. Now in verse 17, where it says, the Lord do so to me, she said. Okay, in Hebrew, where it says, the Lord. That's in English, the Lord. But in the Hebrew, that is actually a name right there. The Lord is the name Yehovah. We sang, there's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. The Hebrew name for the Lord is Yehovah. In Isaiah 42 and 8, God says this. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. What he said was, I am Yehovah. That is my name. And so both Ruth 1.18 and Isaiah 42.8, the English for the Lord that we see where it says the Lord is actually Yehovah. That's his name. Yehovah means the existing one. It's the proper name of the one true God. He's almighty. And so in our limited English and, and in our distance from that ancient Hebrew culture, we, we really easily miss just exactly what it was that Ruth really said here. What did Ruth actually say here? Ruth expressed that she had come to accept the supreme, sovereign God of Israel, the one who made all things and who is over all things. Therefore, he has the power to change all things. You see what she just said to Naomi? I have no sons. Go back to your mother. I can't, I can't this. It's so terrible. Well, I'm going to come follow Jehovah. And Naomi had nothing more she could say. (laughs) I think the Lord is really speaking through Ruth. The Lord can do something here. It's almost as though Ruth had tried to help Naomi turn back into a hopeful direction again. I'm following you back to the land of your God, Jehovah, because Jehovah, the existing one, the God over all things, it's better to follow him who has the power to change this situation than to go back to the dead gods of Moab that never gave me any children throughout 10 whole years of marriage. Whoa, look at the scales tip. Can you see now what all Ruth said when she said that, Yehovah, your God will be my God and your people will be my people. I'll live where you live and I'll die where you die. May Yehovah God, the Lord, do so to me and more if anything other than death parts us. Wow, that really gave Naomi something to think about, I think, and she couldn't respond to that. 
So she stopped talking when she found she was going with her. Friends, Naomi has been carrying on about how bad things are, but now for this foreign girl here to tell her how it's better to live as a foreigner while trusting in the God of Israel than to live at home under the defeat of false gods. Naomi dangled children in front of Ruth and Orpah in her reasoning. I don't have any kids. I don't have any kids. But Ruth insinuated the same thing back at Naomi, that God can change things. And now Naomi's lost for words. Can you imagine all the years, though, of representing God that Naomi and her husband and her sons did for Ruth? These number of years, they represented the Lord to her as God's covenant people. And Ruth was watching them all this time, learning about the God of Israel. And now suddenly when Naomi is having a time of distress, it's the new believer that has to remind her who her God is. You ever been there? I've been a believer longer than some people. And I've had a moment of distress and they come up to me and go, Ray, God can do this. (laughs) Well, yeah, I know that. Well, then why are you talking like this? You know, I kind of see this interaction going on here. What a surprise to Naomi here. She's been carrying on now for how bad things are. And this young girl who comes from Moab, a foreigner, says things that remind her it's better to follow Jehovah. Now, perhaps Naomi got quiet because she's contemplating what Ruth said. Uh, Maybe she's a bit embarrassed for blowing up in her doubt a little bit. Maybe she's confused. That, yeah, maybe Ruth is right. I don't know. How's the Lord going to fix all this? She's thinking. She's under a lot of strain. That's enough weight on somebody's mind to make anybody be at a loss for words. Now, Ruth in 119. Now, the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Is this Naomi? You know, we get a little insight here from this part. We get a little insight on how bad this distress has taken a toll on Naomi. Because people aren't even sure if it's her anymore. Is that her? I know it hadn't been that long since we've seen her, but I'm not sure if that's her or not. Apparently, she's gone through so much distress and it's altered her appearance a little bit. You know, it's like how you see a visible appearance of a president, uh, pictures of them before and after they take office. You can look and see the difference that the strain of leadership has taken a toll on them. Here comes Naomi. Is that Naomi? I don't know. I think it. I'm not sure. Guys, she's under a lot. Ruth 1 and 20. But she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full. And the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? And so not only is Naomi's grief and depression visible on the outside, but she also just now expressed it from her heart. She's hurt on the inside and the outside. And anybody hearing me, you've been hurt on the inside and out, and, and it's altered you and it's changed you. You need to really listen to the story. This is a great story to hear. So pay attention hard. Naomi's name, remember, it meant sweetness and pleasantness. But now she's saying, call me Mara. Call me bitter. That's what Mara means. Call me bitter. She thinks God made her that way. She's putting it all on God. The Almighty has afflicted me. 
And in her bitterness, she took the time to specify to everybody what her complaint was. I left out of here full and I came back empty. She's having, I I hate to say this and I don't mean it in a derogatory way. She's kind of having a pity party for herself. I'm just going to, just leave me alone. Stay away from me. I'm just trouble. Pity party. And you want to tell everybody all about it too. You know, forget that you might be having problems. I want to tell you mine. She's so consumed in her depression that she could not recognize the value in Ruth. Another big point. She couldn't see the value in Ruth having a, a believer with her. Ruth 1 and 22. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Now, here we are. They came back for Naomi. Her return had no hope to it at all. All she had to look forward to was this life of widowhood that she misinterpreted would mean nothing but loneliness. That's not what widowhood is. She misinterpreted that. Loneliness, abandonment, helplessness. She was wrong about all this because God was at work in Naomi's life. He put Ruth with her. You ever feel alone? You ever feel like everything's impossible, defeated? Oh, I'm just nothing. Take observance to the believers God put around you, even if it's just one. Ruth is with her. I don't believe in spoilers. You know, spoilers, like if it's a movie I haven't seen, don't tell me what's coming. I don't, I want to find out. I don't believe in spoilers, but I do want to give you a spoiler from chapter 4 because I want you to know that God restores joy to the brokenhearted. In chapter 4, a bunch of godly women get around Naomi, and what they say to her is, May the Lord be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you is better to you than seven sons. I wanted you to see the restoration is coming. Right now it doesn't look so good, but I wanted to show you what we're going to get to. Okay? And Naomi had received those words, so don't worry, God's at work. But how does he get Naomi restored from chapter 1 all the way up into chapter 4? How does he do that? (laughs) Well, stay tuned, true believers. We'll get there. For now, I want to recap chapter 1 here in Ruth so we can gain some good application for ourselves to live by. We know Naomi's going to get there, but what do we see in chapter 1? First of all, we saw Naomi's family go through great hardship, and she's still going through it as far as chapter 1. There was a famine. There's a lot of death. It looks hopeless. But in times of weakness, that's where God does his best work. God does his best stuff. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Guys, when you're in weakness, that's when God does his best stuff. If people come to me and they say, Ray, why this? And they're at their worst time. Why is this happening? I don't have the answer, but I will quote this to them. Put that in your toolbox. When you've got a friend, I don't understand. What am I supposed to do? I don't get it. Why is the Lord letting this happen? Show them that. And weakness is where God does his best work. Think of it. Salvation came to all humanity through a crucifixion, through Jesus Christ, a man dying. God does his best work through weakness. And weakness is what Naomi and Ruth are going through right now. And we're going to see how God perfects his strength in them through these trials. Now, I take comfort 
in stories like this because it helps me to know that my own trials will produce the same thing for me when God works through my troubles. Instead of asking God why during hardships, it encourages me to look for how God is going to perfect his strength in my life. As soon as something bad happens to me, after I get over the pity party, I try to throw this switch in my mind that says, okay, God, what are you about to do? Because I can't see it. (laughs) What are you going to do? And that gives me something to lift my head up and look forward to rather than the problem. Because the problem will overrun you and it will blind you. You won't see the, the believers around you that God has given you, just like Naomi was doing. What God, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm going to give that to you free of charge. <laughs> Use it in a time that you're going through now or a time that you might be about to go through. Take that and say, oh, this is bad. God must be getting ready to do something good. Use that. Okay. So Romans 8 and 28 says, and we know that all things, it does not say some things. It says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. You know, when we ask God why, we typically do that through the lens through my purpose. God, why is this happening to me? Why is this coming down on me? Lord, this, this alters and disrupts my purpose. We have to realize all things work together for his purpose. It's not the purpose you developed for yourself. And what you think things are supposed to be. His purpose. All things work together according to His purpose, not ours. But rest assured, all things will work together for good. That's the good part. And God's goodness is better than mine, so that's why I'm going to trust it. And that's the assurance I want you to take from God's Word today. That although we can't see what He's doing, it's going to work together for good. Trust in that. God wrote it down in His Word so you could believe it. Okay? Now, one thing I want to say about Naomi, even though she's hurt and depressed, that does not mean that she is 100% off-center done with God. That's not what that means. You're going to have times like this. That does not mean you lost God. That doesn't mean you don't have Him anymore. That doesn't mean God's not going to work through your life anymore. In verse 8, Naomi blessed Ruth and Orpah when she said, The Lord deal kindly with you. Yes, she was having her pity party. Yes, she's distressed and depressed and sees no way out. But she did pronounce blessing on Ruth and Orpah. The Lord deal kindly with you. And that word kindly that she used, we're going back to the Hebrew again, is the first Hebrew word I ever learned in Bible college. It's the word kesed. And I can't do the guttural, so I'm not going to try. It's the word kesed. Kesed, which means loving kindness. Loving kindness, kessed, it conveys the idea of God's covenant loyalty to his people. The grace that was extended to the Jews, even though they did not deserve it, they got God's loving kindness, kessed. And the basis of Naomi's blessing to these two foreign girls, kessed to them, the, the committed loving kindness of the Lord to foreign girls meant that since they were both married to Israelite men, then these were both foreign women, Gentiles, who were now brought under God's covenant, an undeserved extension of grace. Naomi was trying to say, you're in this family now, be blessed in that loving kindness. Now, she didn't make the best decision to tell him go back to Moab. But she was indicating through saying, Kessid, the loving kindness of the Lord, you married into the Israelites, 
You're, you're under the loving kindness of the Lord. And guys, when I see anything that remotely looks like that, of a Gentile getting to step into the family of God, I get excited. Because that's how I get the loving kindness of God. Even though I mess up, even though other believers around me mess up, and sometimes they fall into depression, we get believers around them to, to help them, build them back up. I still get to have the covenant peace. That doesn't change that. So glad. And it's interesting to me how even though Naomi is heartbroken and hopeless, she is at least in some way acknowledging God's ability to work miraculously through people's lives, even though she can't see it in herself. Now, I believe that the reason that Ruth is wanting to follow Naomi is because she has a desire to know the God of the Israelites, so much so that Ruth is acting righteously in agreement with what James stated in James 1.27 that I'd mentioned before. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. Ruth has a heart like God's, and that's why she wants to follow Naomi. It's more important that Ruth serve God than serve herself back in Moab. That's the kind of heart we have to have. If you want to be one of God's people, you've got to be more concerned about others than your own self. And that takes sacrifice because Ruth gave up going back to Moab, back to her people, her national identity, getting married again, having kids again. Rather, she felt it more important to serve God knowing she's going to a land that she may not ever be married and have children ever again. That's a lot to sacrifice. And she did. So you got two people. Both of them are widows. Ruth is desiring to get to know the Lord more while Naomi seems to be upset with God. And one thing we can learn from this story is don't allow our troubles to cause us to lose our joy in the Lord. Don't let your troubles cause you to lose your joy. It will steal it. I've been there. Times get hard and you just say, I'm done. Don't let it have you. But it looks impossible, Ray. I know. That's where God does his best work. Don't forget that. Don't let it steal your joy. It's obvious that Naomi and the family had represented the Lord to Ruth through enough years for Ruth to want to know who the God of Israel is for herself. And we have to consider the fact that Ruth is willing to leave her people, her life, her land, walk away even from the grave of her husband. They buried him in Moab. She's leaving even the grave of her husband to get to know the God of Israel. That's touching. That in itself is a strong illustration to us that to be saved by Jesus, you have to walk away from your old life. You have to. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things. That's all of it. New. Repentance is turning around. But to walk in the joy and righteousness of Jesus Christ, you've got to trust him enough to leave your old life behind. Everything. Trusting that what God has ahead of you in your future is better than what you're leaving. Ruth is a widow. And Naomi is not giving her much encouragement to go with her. But somehow the Lord has Ruth so fixated on him that her entire focus is all on God, not on herself, or how her stature is going to be when she gets in a foreign land in Israel. And friends, this is where I want to finish our message right now with this point in mind. 
When you become a new believer in Jesus, you will become a foreigner to this world. When you become a believer in Jesus, you will now be the foreigner. You're going to be insulted and hated for your faith. You're going to be looked down upon like Ruth probably expected she would get it when she went to another land she wasn't familiar with. But look at Ruth. She knows she's headed to a culture that's going to give her a a double curse, a widow and a foreigner all rolled into one person. That's double layered. But her desire for God is so strong. She's not concerned with how others are going to treat her. Matthew 5.11. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. When people down here cut you down, don't worry about what's down here. You've got a good reward coming, but it ain't down here. It's in heaven. Keep your mind in the right focal point. If you're thinking about giving your life to Jesus today, realize you have to walk away from your old life of sin. You can't stay there. You've got to be willing to leave everything behind. Well, Ray, I can't do that. Then you're going to stay in your defeat. The Lord Jesus is your victory. He's got better than what you're trying to hang on to. The, uh, if you're living with the feelings of abandonment, loneliness, loneliness, and loss, understand that the false gods you've been following are why you experience this. It's sin. Now, when you become a new believer in Jesus, you'll become a foreigner to the world. You'll look different, and people will hate you on account of Christ. And that will cause you to have to make a switch from clinging to the life you used to have to now clinging to the new life you have because of the God of Israel. And friends, that's why Ruth clung to Naomi, because she wanted her God. Friends, I'm calling on you, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, let go of your life and cling to someone that's going to show you who the God of Israel is. He's so much better. Ruth saw it, and she wanted it. Now, I know you have pain in your life, but don't let your pain blind you from seeing the value of the faithful people that God has placed in your life around you. God has placed people around you, whether you're a believer or not. And I'm speaking specifically to the unbeliever. You go to work, you've got a job, and you've got that Bible thumper that just burns you up. But that's because he's giving you the answer you don't want. You want to keep your old life, and you know you can't have it. You need to let the old life go and listen to that believer that God gave you, that God put in front of you to tell you the gospel, so that you can come to the realization Jesus is the answer, and he will change your life, and he will restore what the enemy has taken from you. God might be working through those people to restore you. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of what? Refreshing. That's what we're looking for. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. And as we consider communion, we consider that our time of refreshing that came from the Lord, that all happened like like we're looking at here through trial. It came through weakness. It came through a man dying on the cross. That was Jesus Christ. He gave himself completely and totally for you so that you could give yourself completely and totally for him. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.